The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. What do you think of, now what do you think of if I were to give you the biblical names Jeroboam and Rehoboam? And uh, you might have heard the phrase, maybe if you had somebody who was a student of Harold Wilmington, uh, Rehoboam remained, Jeroboam jumped. We're going to explain what that means when we get into the Word of God today on today's edition of Exploring the Word. Hi, Alex McFarland here along with Bert Harper, and you are listening to the American Family Radio Network, and we welcome you to this, this edition of the show, and later on we'll get to Bible questions and we'll take your calls live. But uh, Bert, uh, yesterday you were out and we missed you, glad you're back. Uh, Jim Stanley and I had the show yesterday, but we were talking about after the death of Solomon, what scholars call the divided kingdom stage. The divided kingdom, Israel and Judah, Israel being the northern kingdom, Judah being the southern kingdom, uh, this division and this centuries-long split, that, that was never God's ideal, was it? It was not, but it does show you something. It shows you that what man can do with what God has given them. God had given them a nation. Let's go through the whole process. God had given them a nation governed by God, and he had given them his laws. They went into the land. And as long as Joshua lived, they was doing okay. And then the fathers that fathered Joshua, they did pretty good. But in that third generation, it fell apart, and it cast the period of the judges. And it says, every man did that which is right in his own eyes, for there was no king in Israel. And then they desired a king. God gave them Saul, and uh, then David, and then Solomon. And so they had already rejected God's best. Okay, Alex, God's best was when they came into the kingdom and God reigning over them. They did not go that way. They messed up. They wanted a king. You remember why? They wanted to be like every other nation. Isn't that something? And then they even messed the one kingdom up with one king, and they went to two kingdoms. So in a way, do you see the step down from what God's best is? To, to what man wants. It's, it is a battle, you know, and when they come to the divided kingdom, yes, it is not God's best, but even the one king was not God's best. Well, well that's true, because God was their king. But you know what? I've always loved that um, in Deuteronomy 14, ver- verse 2, it says, you are a holy people unto the, the Lord thy God. The Lord has chosen you to be a peculiar people, unto himself above all the nations that are upon the earth. And uh, J. Vernon McGee, the great preacher, he's in heaven for many years, but he had a southern draw. He said, yeah, Deuteronomy 14.2 says God has called out for himself a peculiar people, and some are more peculiar <laughs> than others. But um, uh, what it means is that, that the nation of Israel, and certainly now the church believers, we're, we're different. We're not like the rest of the world because we have been called out by God. We belong to Christ, and um, we're, we're not like other people. Israel is not like other nations, and they got into trouble when they, they wanted to be the people of God but operate by the principles of the world, 
And it's just not compatible, is it? It is not. And when you come to Rehoboam and Jeroboam, uh, you find that Jeroboam, now what's going to happen from now on with the kings, especially those of the southern kingdom, which is called Judah, they're either going to be raided by David or, or, or Rehoboam. It will say they did like David, and that's eight of the kings that did good in the sight of the Lord. And the others were raided like Rehoboam, doing that which is evil. Now, I, I found that interesting that uh, God, you know, is God's standard. Now, God's standard to be saved is Jesus Christ. And all have come short of that standard. We need a Savior. It is Jesus. When it comes to the kings and God rating them, uh, according to the writers of First and Second Kings and uh, and and first and second Samuel, but mostly first and second Kings, and then over in Chronicles, it will be according to what David did or what Rehoboam did. Those that did evil, they're like Rehoboam. Those that did good, they're like David. And uh, so, so God has standards that He expects people and leaders to come up to. Now, when it comes to Jeroboam, by by the way, everybody in the Southern Kingdom, all the kings. They were from one family. They were from the family of David, descendants mm-hmm. of David. In the in the northern kingdom, it went from one family to another family to another family. I forgot exactly how many families. It seemed like five or six or seven. I can't remember exactly, Alex. But there was no good kings in the northern kingdom, not yeah. a one. All of them were yeah. evil. Well, that they were. I mean, uh, you know, all of them were evil, and and the. It was a time of turmoil. There was civil war. And we talked about the fact yesterday that um, not only was there strife within the two kingdoms, there was strife between the kingdoms. And th- and this went on for hundreds of years. And so it shows that um, getting out of God's will and wandering away from God, um, it, it just was compounded. It, it was compounded. And uh, it's very sad. You know, the, the southern kingdom, Judah did have some good kings, but the northern kingdom, they, they really never did at all, did they? They did not. And what happens now, they had enough enemies, but because they split, there became another enemy. In other words, they yeah. became enemies of one another. Listen to what it says in, in the book of First Kings chapter 14, verse 30. And there was war between Rehoboam and Jeroboam all their days. And, and, Alex, that's the whole idea. In other words, if it had been one nation, they'd have had one nation not to worry about overthrowing mm-hmm. them. And uh, so it was unwise. It was wrong. And, again, you get to the bottom line. Guess what the bottom root is? Selfishness. Rehoboam mm-hmm. had said, I want, you know, Solomon taxed them pretty hard. I'm going to tax them more. Uh, Solomon had a bigger army, big army. I'm going to. I'm going to draft more in my army. He had a lot, you know. And then Jeroboam, he was selfish. He wanted it. And he didn't want to go, uh, his people go to Jerusalem to worship. So he said, I'm going to up them. I'm going to put one in Dan and one in Bethel. And they won't have to go to Jerob, uh, to Jerusalem to worship. I'm going to make it more convenient. Sounds a little bit like religion and government today, doesn't it? Well, it does. And let me just say, I've, I've said this before. I don't think that... Christianity should necessarily be convenient. Preach it, brother. Preach it. You know, um, you know. It, it's funny the the kings of Judah, uh, the kings of Judah, um, Asa, uh, who 
really was self-reliant. You know, it's interesting that Asa got sick near the end of his life and didn't seek the Lord. This is in Second Chronicles sixteen twelve, and and God lets him die. Uh, and you know, by the way, let's talk for just a second because we're talking about uh, prophets, kings, and kingdoms. Asa was a guy uh, that at one time he was so pious about. Um, not deviating from the God of Israel, he kicked his mother out once for worshiping idols. But yet he was very self-reliant. Uh, he gets this alliance with um, uh, Aram, but he gets sick near the end of his life, doesn't seek the Lord, Second Chronicles sixteen twelve, and God lets him die. And then uh, Joash was, was really an idolater, abandoned the house of the Lord and served sacred poles, the... Uh, Ashtaroths and idols, and idolatry was a, a very heinous sin, and still is. Uh, there's King Uzziah, who gets this leprous disease because uh, he was kind of cocky, barged into the temple, and was going to do things his way. There's Manasseh, who at one time worshipped other gods, and the Assyrians, you know, attack and kind of teaches them a lesson, and he, uh, King Manasseh gets locked up as a fugitive for a while and has to learn that, quote, the Lord indeed was God. But we see, and Bert, I think part of the reason that sometimes we study the good kings and the bad kings, because any of these things, self-reliance, idolatry, presumption, prayerlessness, um, alliances with the wrong people or the wrong things, in one way or another, these things could come into our own lives, couldn't they? They could. Now, let me say this about Asa, Jehoshaphat, uh, then you'd say Joash and Amaziah, Uzziah, Hezekiah, and Josiah. There's eight of these men who the Bible says, not my evaluation, the Bible says, did right in the sight of the Lord. And there's usually a caveat, but... You know, they'll yeah. uh, they'll say something about what, like Asa did in his later part. Well, that was King David, too. It talks about David being king and being great, except in the, the Uriah the Hittite. You see, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think it shows something, Alex, that these men uh, were not perfect, but they were headed in the right direction. Did they meander off? Yes, they did. Did they get off track? Yes, they did. But they were headed in the right direction of of taking down the pagan gods that were being worshipped before them. And so they did right. The others were evil that they set up their gods. That was the main issue. When what direction? Were they worshiping God? Was their direction toward God or was their direction toward themselves only? And so you had these different kings, and they would reign different years. Now, Asa and Uzziah had long, long reigns, you know. Uh, They would reign a long time, and they influenced it greatly. But here you find out that those that did evil, Alex, their evil ran deep. It was not just in their personal lives. It was also in their, their governance lives. There was no justice. So God looks at it. Did you worship gods? You tear down all these high places that worship pagan gods, and did you do justice according to the people? When it comes to governance, those things seem to be high on God's list. Wow, very good. Well, absolutely. Not only what we do, but but how we do it. 
And Bert, don't you think that it's important it, when you're reading the Old Testament, and especially the prophets that we we study, you've got to understand this um, for all of these hundreds of years. Uh, Israel was essentially out of God's will. Now God was still working. God was still uh, sustaining them and protecting them. Ultimately, uh, Assyria and Babylon would take the two divided nations, and they're going to be divided and less than their best up until the time Christ comes. But he still sent prophets. He still sent people to proclaim the truth of God's word. Um, Their disobedience was not fatal, but what would it have been like if they had waited on God? What would it have been like if they had stayed united? Um, it, it would have been different. All these bondages and these these things that, that befell them, God wouldn't have had to send. You know, I, I think God enjoys blessing us more than reprimanding us. Don't you? Don't you think that, Bert? Oh man, you you know that, Alex. God is a good God, and He's good all the time, and so He'd much rather bless us. He, you know, we're to walk in His steps, and that's. I mean, didn't Moses say that when they come into the land? We have a time of, we have blessing or cursing. Which one are you going to choose? And I love what Joshua said at the end. For me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. And look what happened when Joshua did that. They had peace. They had prosperity. They had victory. But when they chose the wrong way, difficulties, division, they came that way. You're listening to Exploring the Word. This is Alex and Bert, and it's our joy to be going through the prophets, kings, and kingdoms. And we're going to be back with more right after this break. Don't you go away. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Donald Remy, Deputy Secretary of Veterans Affairs. His office oversees the nationwide system of health care services, benefits programs, and national cemeteries for America's veterans and their dependents. Galatians 6.2 reminds us of the importance of helping others. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Donald Remy in his work on behalf of America's veterans and their families. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Even a good doctor can make a mistake, but Dr. Tony Evans says we still demonstrate more faith in our physicians than we do in God. How? We'll find out as we spend two minutes with Tony. You go to a doctor because something's wrong. You go to a doctor to make it right. Now, I don't know about you, but the only doctor I go to is one I feel who has integrity. I don't want a doctor telling me I have a headache if I have cancer because he's delaying my healing if he's lying to me and making me feel good. A lot of us have friends like that and not tell us the truth. I don't want a doctor who's going to lie to me. I want a doctor who's going to tell me like it really is. I want a doctor I can trust because he has integrity. If I trust the doctor because I believe he has integrity, when he gives me the word written down in the prescription, 
and I go to the pharmacist and get it filled, I'm going to demonstrate my trust in his integrity by taking the medicine he has prescribed. Now, I don't know about you, but some medicine doesn't taste good. Some medicine you go yuck at. You remember when your mama used to give you castor oil for everything? Some medicine doesn't taste good, but because of the integrity of the doctor, I will tolerate what doesn't taste good because I believe that the one who prescribes it know what he's talking about. We will give to a doctor what we won't give to God. And that is response based on our belief in their integrity. Discover how different your life can be when you start trusting the integrity of God. Check with us for details on Dr. Evans' two-volume series, Heroes of the Faith, when you visit us online at TonyEvans.org. And be sure to join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Beloved, we are now children of God, and what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that when Christ appears, we will be like Him, for we will see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself just as Christ is pure. 1 John 3, 2 and 3. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. What will I say when I'm held to the flame like I am right now? Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Bert and Alex with you, and we're going through prophets, kings, and kingdoms. If you're looking for scriptures, mostly in First and Second Kings and then First and Second Chronicles. And Alex, you started off the show, and you said you was going to tell us about something about Jeroboam jumping and Rehoboam <laughs> remaining. Tell, tell, fill that in for us. Well, yes, um, Rehoboam remained and Jeroboam jumped. Uh, and let me get back to, uh, see, Rehoboam's mother was named Nama, uh, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, N-A-A-M-A-H. It's interesting. She was uh, an Ammonite and was one of the, quote, foreign wives. Remember 1 Kings 14, 21 said Solomon married strange women with strange gods. And Rehoboam, very interesting, Rehoboam was one of those he was the son of Solomon, uh, generally did evil in the sight of God. But here's the thing. There was a revolt, and um, Rehoboam stayed on as, as king in Judah. There were ten northern tribes under Jeroboam. Um, there was this rebellion, and the northern tribes formed Israel, or remained under the name of Israel, but Rehoboam was king of Judah, southern kingdom. But... Um, Rehoboam, to his credit at least, did not join in this revolt under Jeroboam. So when I said Jeroboam jumped, ten, he took ten tribes, and there was a civil war after the death of Solomon. Now, um, so Rehoboam is a son of Solomon, and, uh, you know, a, a natural-born son of Solomon, but he was one of the sons of one of the strange women. And he did evil things, just like uh, Manasseh. Let me quote Charles Spurgeon, 
All right, Spurgeon said, Though Manasseh eventually repented, his son Ammon followed in the footsteps of his father in wickedness, not in righteousness. Spurgeon said this, Children will imitate their fathers in vices, seldomly, though, in repentance. Isn't that, isn't that powerful? It is. And what, what you have here is, when, especially in the uh, southern kingdom, and, and what you hear, you'll hear about the ten tribes, and then you hear about Judah, but if you add that up, that's 11. So who, who's hiding? It's Benjamin. Benjamin was a smaller tribe for his number. Judah was the biggest tribe for his number. And so Judah kind of, I I hate to use the word absorbed, but for lack of a better term, you may come up with a better one. Uh, Benjamin got numbered with Judah, and they remained, as you said, under the, the kingship of Rehoboam, which was from David. And this is the promise. Yes that there would be a king after like King David, and they remained there. Not only did he remain with Judah, but the kingship remains in the line and lineage of David, whereas the northern kingdom, they had several. And, and what they did, you would have assassinations and captains becoming the kings and, and, and so forth, and, and that happened several times. And, and you have, let me ask you this, Alex, and you see where you want to go. But when I think of the good kings, and I'm talking about for the southern kingdom, the one that really gets my heart more is Jehoshaphat. Now, again, he did good, but at the end, he did something, joined in. But I love Jehoshaphat, I guess because of that one term, we wait upon the Lord. You know, uh, Jehoshaphat, didn't, he knew he didn't know what to do. And uh, so he said, we'll wait upon the Lord and see what he says. And, and when I look at the worst king of all overall, it's hard to pick one. But Ahab and Jezebel in the northern oh, kingdom. Yes. Uh, uh, and that's where we're introduced to a great, great prophet. Now, there's some smaller prophets along the way, like Isaiah would be with Uzziah. But Elijah, Elijah. comes to the yes. – he comes – you know, it says about Esther, she came to the kingdom for such a time as this. When I think of Elijah coming at the time of Ahab and Jezebel, he came to the kingdom for such a time as this, did he not? Well, he really did. He really did. And, you know, um, you were talking about Benjamin was absorbed into Judah, really, and numbered with Judah. Um, one of the prophets, and, and, you know, all the prophets, Elijah and Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, prophesy different things but if there's a prophet that a lot of what he says is good and uplifting it's daniel now there there's warnings there's judgment there's the holiness of god but you know in daniel we read about you know the son of man at the right hand of the ancient of days do you i i generally kind of associate good things with isaiah and daniel both of whom well isaiah was born in jerusalem and uh, Daniel at least was born in Judah and maybe was born in Jerusalem. But uh, when I, you know, the prophets that I think about judgment and, and dark things happening, I don't associate that quite as much with Daniel. Do you? I, I, yes, you are right. And again, that's going to come. Let's, if, if you're wondering, are we going in chronological? No, we're not. We're, what we've done after Rehoboam and Jeroboam, we're collecting the kings and looking at them in such a way 
that, you know, we're talking about the good, the bad, and then we're talking about the prophets that came along. Daniel comes along at the end. They're, they're even they, they have been uh, taken into captivity by this time. He is one of those that was taken. So that is the latter end. But you had these prophets that came before him. But Daniel and Isaiah, I would agree with you. Uh, the one that seems to be the most uh, prophetic in judgment is one of them is Amos. Now, it's yes. a short book, but this guy doesn't miss words. He he calls those women. He said, y'all are like cows, you know. He he did not mess around, <laughs> uh, yeah. Alex. He uh, he kind of was a backwoodsman uh, guy. He was a country boy he from was. Tekoa. And uh, so he, he told it. So you had these prophets that were prophesying during the period of the kings, and some of them wrote books. Some of them did not, like two of the greatest prophets, Elijah and Elisha, that already said they didn't write books. Isaiah, Daniel, Ezekiel, they wrote books. But it's, you would not judge them, I, in my opinion, on the kind of literature they wrote, but you would judge them on their deliverance and purpose for what God gave them. And Elijah and Elisha, they you'd say, well, they were not authors, but they were preachers, weren't they? Well, that they really were, and that's why you know earlier in the program we said this is a little bit complicated. Uh, there, you know, one of the ways you can look at this, you've got to understand that this is you know from um, somewhere around nine hundred BC, kind of right around nine thirty BC. They put it to about well, in the case of Judah, uh, which is the southern kingdom, roughly five eighty six BC, and um, they were ransacked by the Babylonians, and then Israel uh, in 721 B.C. really ransacked by the Assyrians. Now, here's the thing. Divided kingdom, but they both wound up in the same state, slaves of a pagan nation. Isn't that something? But here, here's the thing. Um, in spite of this, God raised up voices, and I know it's complicated. You can look at this in terms of the geographically, northern or southern. Uh, you can look at it in terms of kings. Now, Judah, a lot of the kings they had were relatives, even though um, some did evil, some did right. In Israel, interestingly, a lot of the kings they had, all of them were evil, but some were servants and captain captains and uh, sons of others, kind of nepotism, they were all evil, at least in the, the kingdom of Judah, some were, were blood relatives of the house of David, you know. They were, and um, all of them came from that. You can trace them, like you said, in the blood. The ones that, let me just take, Rehoboam was evil. His son, Abijah, or some of them call it Abijah, uh, his, their son was Asa. Asa did good. The, yeah. the ones that... Jehoshaphat had, after yeah, Asa did. Yeah. yeah. And, and so you had those two in a row that did right in the sight of a God. That was the longest reign that they did. You had Uzziah and Jotham. They did right together. And uh, But uh, what was amazing is the good kings coming out of the evil ones. The one that gets me the most is Josiah. Close, yes. He was the last good king. And he comes from, let me say, about yeah, about four different evil kings in a row, 
and out of that comes Josiah. Now, I, I want to put something to that. You can break the chain of evil in your life. Yes, And Amen. if you have a chain of evil, it's like that song, Jesus is the chain breaker. He can break the chain of of, of alcoholism. He can break the chain of, of desertion. And if you're in that category that your father and your grandfather, uh, they were not followers of Christ, and, and you, you can break that chain and follow Christ. And if they did, you don't want to break that good chain, Alex. You want to continue doing good in the sight of the Lord. You're right. And I know we're kind of like giving a lot of information here. I really think that um, looking at this helps you understand. I'm going to run down. This is in the order that they appear in Scripture. Some very famous prophets, because we're talking about prophets, kings, and kingdoms. Okay, Elijah and Elisha were prophesying to Israel. They did not write books of the Bible. There's not a book of Elijah, but there's plenty that we read about. And this is, you know, around... 870, 875 B.C., so the farther we go, the more we're going to get towards the time of the birth of Christ. Then you've got Isaiah and Jeremiah. They prophesied to Judah, the southern kingdom. Then you've got Ezekiel and Daniel that they prophesied to exiles in Babylon. Remember, it was Judah that was taken into the Babylonian captivity. And so we read a lot of these books as if they're to people in general, it you you got to understand, not only was the Old Testament not to every human that ever lived, but it was to Jewish people, but sometimes Jewish people in a divided kingdom. Uh, you've got Hosea prophesied to uh, the northern kingdom of Israel. Uh, Joel, uh, Amos, uh, they were prophesying to um, Israel. Uh, well, Joel to Judah, really. Yeah. Um, Obadiah. Uh, then Jonah to the Ninevites, uh, then you've got Micah and Nahum and Habakkuk. Now, uh, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. And by the time of Malachi, we're 450, 460 B.C. These were all prophets to Judah. Um, so it really does, again, very complicated political complications here because the people, while God loved them, and many were saved, and many believed in the Messiah that would come. Overall, I'll say this, I'll throw it to you. It's a horribly complicated time because the people were very much out of the will of God. And yet, Bert, in spite of all the upheavals, betrayals, rebellions, captivities, Satan did his utmost, and yet the plan of salvation was not derailed at Galatians 4 4 at precisely the right time Mary gave birth to Jesus and Satan threw his best efforts at it but the Savior still was born and salvation's plan still unfolded praise the Lord it did now I want to talk about one more thing uh, and make this be it there was a mother who had all of her grandchildren killed Athaliah after her mm. son died, uh, Ahiza, he did evil, but after he died, she found the opportunity. She goes into the royal nursery and tries to kill every one of her 
grandchildren, Alex, get that, her grandchildren. She slays them. But there was a nurse who got a little boy by the name of Joash and hid him out. The, the promise of God hinged upon that nurse doing that and saving the lineage of King David where King Jesus would come from. You catch what I'm saying? Isn't this amazing? Evil Athaliah. We talk about Jezebel. I want to mm-hmm. tell you, Athaliah will give Jezebel a run for her money for evilness. She might top her, in my mm. opinion. But she had her grandchildren killed. Joash was saved out. And when Athaliah thought she had it for such a time as this, the priest brought Joash, and yes, he reigned. Uh, he was that young boy, but he reigned. And so, Al- Alex, I'd say God, in the midst of the worst that man can do under satanic leadership, God trumps Satan every time. Amen. Praise God. And let me say this, folks. Don't be discouraged. I mean, our nation needs prayer. There have been a lot of people that have done malicious things to our country, but God still hears prayer. You know, we often say, like father, like son. Wasn't Athaliah the daughter of Jezebel? That's right. And they intermarried. You'll find this story in 2 Kings chapter 11. You you just want to read it. Uh, Alex, you talk about it all the time. Men only wish they could write dramas like this. But this is history, and you see how God intervened. And Alex and I are saying to you today, God wants to intervene in your life. No matter Mm. the direction, no matter your heritage, God wants to intervene in your life and deliver you into life everlasting and a life worth living. Hey, Alex, we're going to take phone calls. That number, 888-589-8840. We'd love to hear from you today on Exploring the Word. American Family Studios was started back in 2011 as a way to advance the Christian worldview into an increasingly media-rich culture. Media is like such a powerful tool to communicate the gospel. I love writing stories, getting in my office, and just thinking, how can we portray this concept of who God's character is? And to get to use the gifts that God has given me is really a joy. AmericanFamilyStudios.net Netflix promoted the film Cuties depicting an 11-year-old actress twerking and wearing skimpy clothing in sensual positions. Have we gone crazy? Why do we sexualize children at such a young age? Adults are supposed to protect children, not exploit them. The 60s gave us a sexual revolution that's destroying us through abortion, STDs, molestation, and divorce. Isn't it time we realized our mistake and choose God's plan for sexuality? I'm Pastor John Miller. Visit me at churchontherock.org. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Statistics show that children who grow up without a father are five times more likely to live in poverty and to commit crime. They're nine times more likely to drop out of school and 20 times more likely to end up in prison. Yet the percentage of children born to fatherless homes has skyrocketed in America. As of 2015, 25% of white, 53% of Hispanic, and 73% of black babies are born into fatherless homes. While scripture teaches that the weight of raising children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord falls upon fathers. Seems like we need a movement that says fatherhood matters. 
Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with a minute in God's Word to help you keep moving forward. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19 says this, In Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Air Force Colonel Pete Peterson served as the first post-war ambassador to Vietnam. He was a unique choice. He had been imprisoned in a North Vietnamese POW camp for seven years during the war. How could he return there on a peace mission? Pete said, I left my anger there at the prison when I walked out. Now his mission was to build Build bridges of friendship between the once warring nations. In Jesus Christ, we have been reconciled to God. He has forgiven us of our sin, and now we are His ambassadors, delivering His message to others so that they also can be reconciled to God. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 8.30 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Word of God speak. Welcome back. You're listening to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. I'm finding myself in the midst of you, beyond the music, beyond the noise. All that I know. You know, before the break, we were talking about uh, Athaliah. Uh, Bert, you remember Handel that wrote The Messiah and the famous Hallelujah Chorus. A lot of people don't know this. Handel actually composed uh, an oratorio on the life of uh, Athaliah, and he called her the Baalite daughter of Jezebel. You know, uh, <laughs> as ba- low Baal. as you can get. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it, I mean, it was very dark. It's not very well known at all, but, you know, Baal was a false god, the Baalite daughter of Jezebel. Uh, and so uh, anyway, um, Baal was a Canaanite god, but... Athaliah was a, a bad person for sure, and like you said, in spite of all of those, um, the killing of her grandchildren, uh, yet one was spared, and the, the lineage of the Savior was preserved. Um, God, God's not going to be outplayed by Satan. It, <laughs> Hallelujah, and, and you need to know that. We take great encouragement in that. Yeah, right now with what's going on, uh, yeah, I understand frustration, but also I know God. You ready to go yes. phone calls? 888-589-8840. That's the toll-free number. We would love to hear from you. We'd be honored to try to answer your Bible question. Let's go to Georgia and welcome Michael. Michael, welcome. Hey, guys. I, I don't know how long I have, but um, I scorned and rebuked a child for wrong behavior toward a grandfather, and a, a female family member come over and hijacked and stole my family, didn't counsel them in a home but took them to a different location and have my wife and daughter turned against me. Um, well, the whole, the whole, the whole, the three children and the wife, uh, and they came home in three days. And it reminds me of, uh, because I woke up one morning, I told my wife, I love you. And she said, you a liar. And, uh, I, I see that happen at the cross with uh, God and Jesus uh, paid a great price to retrieve us from what Adam and Eve ate. And um, they went to a new location. 
Okay. They, they removed the word of God from the children, and they've uh, went to wipe out the name of uh, the, the word, uh, will of Jesus from the earth. And I see what what Paul said, they shall be a great falling away from the truth. And Jesus said that truth, sanctify them by thy truth. Your word is truth and gave the definition of truth. He didn't tell mm-hmm. Pilate, but he told us. Yeah, Michael, and, it sounds like, uh, brother, we want to pray for you. Uh, let me just, I don't know where they are, what's going on, but I'm all, I want to just tell you, stay close to God. Uh, I don't know your wife talking about when you said you loved her and she said, no, you don't. Uh, I don't know if you've read Gary, Dr. Gary Chapman, the five love mm-hmm. languages. I hope you have. If you haven't, let me suggest you get at that and, and try to find out where your wife and children to show them your love. You know, we say it, uh, but a lot of times, Alex, we don't communicate it in a way our loved ones understand it. Now, again, I don't know this fully, Michael. It would take a lot longer than we have to figure it out, but we're, we're going to, I hope everybody will write Michael's name down right now and pray for him to have wisdom on what to do. Go ahead, Alex. Well, every man listening, I want to ask you, do you know your wife's love language? And if, if you say, well, I'm not sure what that means, know what love languages are. And, of course, Dr. Chapman's book, and he's a personal friend, Gary Chapman, my opinion, Bert, one of the greatest living Christian leaders. Read the five love languages. So men especially— and women too, but husbands, know your wife's love language, and it will do wonders. God will use that to strengthen your marriage. I, I honestly, I'm going to say this. I think that if, if you consistently speak to your wife's love language, and it's a joy to do it, it will just about affair proof or divorce proof your marriage. I, I want to just tell you, I... Jan and I, when we do ours, we bring it up all the time, and there's people that hadn't heard about it. And I, I've told people, when somebody comes up with something better for us, a book like this being written, I'd use it. I still think it is the best one out there. I know there's been many written, Alex, but I agree with you. Thank you, Michael. Father, I pray that you would help Michael give him wisdom, uh, give him courage, give him grace to Father to to. Uh, let him follow you in what to do concerning his wife and his children. Father, protect them. If they're being taught so much contradiction, I pray they'll remember the truth that they got before they got there, and you'd call them to it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Mm -hmm. Michael. Let's go to Mississippi and talk to Maurice. Maurice, welcome. Yes, sir. How are you doing today? Doing well. Good. Good, good, good. I appreciate your uh, your story, and I, I mean, I, I listen as I as I'm driving, and when I'm driving, I like to listen to it when I'm going down the road. But I was going to tell you on that story of Athaliah in the 22nd chapter, I believe, of Chronicles is when uh, when they crowned Joash as king, and it said the priests they drew their swords, and they were on the right hand side and on the left hand side, and in the and I think it's uh. The newest international version, it said they strengthened themselves, and they uh, they made a covenant. But in the New Living Bible, it says they summoned their courage and decided to act. <laughs> mm. 
Amen. I like Man. that. I do too, I, Maurice. I, yes, I that's remember good, that. Good stuff. I, it is. Yep. I, I've got two sermons that I usually preach in a row when I'm preaching through that, Alex. And Athaliah is a study, but the response of godly people to an evil leader, I think we can learn something. I think it does teach Absolutely. us something. And I, and I did not know that that was, uh, that was in the lineage of David and, and Jesus' lineage. I did not realize that that was the significance of that one child, but they summoned their courage and decided to act. Man, hallelujah. I, I'm praising the Lord, but, Alex. Thank you, Maurice, for that. Amen. Bert, don't we have astute listeners and very biblically literate themselves? We do, and we learn. That, that's the great part, you know. Uh, one of the greatest things is to be taught by students and mm. good teachers will always be open to be taught by those that they're teaching. And so Maurice, thank you, brother. That was a great call. Let's go to Texas and talk to Adam. Adam, welcome. Welcome. Uh, good afternoon, gentlemen. Uh, I got a quick question on grace. Uh, those who deny grace, are they, do they reject sacrifice of christ and the reason i ask this i was raised in a church that taught that we were not under grace but we were still under the law so we observed the sabbath dietary laws and all the all the jewish festivals um actually the feast of tabernacles is going on right now but um they didn't teach grace so i was just curious where people that follow that where they stand in salvation um listen uh Adam, we're not saved by works. I don't care what you do. It says Ephesians 2, 8, 9. I was just going to say that. Alex, it says we're saved by grace through faith, and that not of works, lest any man should boast. Now, we are his workmanship created unto good works, but those good works do not bring about salvation. It's by grace through faith, isn't it? Well, it is. You know, it's funny, and, and sir, thank you for calling in. The grace of God. It's been said, God's riches at Christ's expense. I thought about it, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 that you mentioned. Then Titus 2, 11, that is talking about the coming of Jesus to pay for our sins. It says, the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men. Jesus is about grace. And uh, people ask, well, in the Gospels, where is grace? Because let me say, the word for grace, Jesus doesn't necessarily use the word grace but John 1.17 says grace and truth came through Jesus. The law came by Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Bert, I think that we see the grace of God in John 3.16. You bet. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We didn't deserve Jesus, but the Father sent him. Uh, we, we couldn't earn salvation, but in Jesus we have it. So I think that, um, A, we are under grace, and that grace is clearly seen in New Testament Christianity. Have you ever heard that mercy is not getting what we deserve, and grace is getting what we don't deserve? I I love those two little phrases. Mercy, we deserve hell right Mm -hmm. now at the present time. I deserve it. Alex, we deserve it. We don't mm-hmm. deserve heaven, but we're going to get it. That is God's grace, and it operates through faith. That when you Now, the word faith, it's more than just a, okay, I do believe that. It is a firm conviction. 
the word that comes across best is trust. You've got to surrender, repent, surrender, and trust God. Uh, not in your own selves. It is a gift of God. And so I'm praying, those of you that are listening, that you have trusted Jesus as Savior and Lord of your life. Uh, he, he is worthy. And after you come into him, you become a friend of God. I pray that you've mm-hmm. done that. Thank you, Adam. Let's go to Tennessee and talk to Linda. Linda, welcome. Hello. Yes, your own. Okay. Uh, my question is about the Trinity. I know a person that does not believe that they are, you know, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And also, they do not believe in the resurrection that um, he arose spiritually and physically. She thinks that he arose spiritually but not physically. So do you have any scriptures that I can Oh wow. Her? I the one that comes about physically, I would go to Acts. I mean, Acts uh, they saw him as he this ascended Alex uh 500, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, as you have seen him depart, uh that's physical and it says visible. Uh mm-hmm. I, I don't know of anything much stronger than that. Go ahead, Alex. Well, Luke twenty four thirty nine. One of my favorite. I've always loved this. Luke twenty four thirty nine. Jesus says, "Touch me, my hands and feet. You'll see that a spirit hath not flesh and bones as you see me have." And the word, uh, it, it's funny. The word for flesh is the word sarks, and the word for bones is osteo. You've heard of osteoporosis. Okay, loss of bone tissue, and sometimes people suffer from like osteoporosis. Okay, Jesus, Luke twenty four thirty nine, and even critics accept the gospel of Luke as being authentic. Jesus says he has, and, and this is the risen Jesus, flesh, sarks, from which we get the word sarcophagus, flesh and bones, osteo. Uh, so, to the person who says, well, Jesus rose spiritually but not physically, I'd say, okay, well, Jesus said that he had a, a resurrected body, physical resurrection. Was he right or was he wrong? That's the truth. I mean, yeah. Amen. Uh, you know? And so regarding the Trinity, I, I mean, there's some people that don't understand the Trinity. I mean, I don't completely understand it, but I definitely believe it because that's how God has revealed himself, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Um, ignorance of the Trinity doesn't worry me so much as rejection of the Trinity. I guess I would say, and I would I would say this lovingly, but why would you not accept what God has revealed about himself? I would take Because, you, you know? Yes. Uh, let me say this. Go to Jesus' baptism, and uh, you'll find out that Jesus physically was baptized. The a dove ascended as uh, the Holy Spirit, it descended as a dove, and the Father spoke. That's all three at the same place at the same time. You know, I I find that very convincing to me. Thank you so much, Linda. Let's go to Louisiana and talk to Elizabeth. Elizabeth, welcome. Hi, guys. I love your show. I listen to you all every day on the, home, on the way home. I'm a public school teacher. Um, but I have a question. I'm fascinated by all the history that you're teaching us, and I'm wondering, this kind of sounds silly, but is, do you know of like a good resource, like a Kings and Prophets for Dummies? That sounds like Alex's next book. Uh, you know? Uh, yeah. Go ahead, Alex. 
Uh, well, God bless you. And listen, I love to recommend good books. Uh, in fact, I've I've got a recommended reading list that I post online sometimes. But I want to encourage you, and, and I, I never recommend a book that I myself haven't read at least once. But um, honestly, Wilmington's Guide to the Bible, um, it's a big book. And back in years ago when Liberty University was first coming out, there was an Old and a New Testament, and then Tyndale Publishers published it as a big one volume. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. And Wilmington goes into the United Kingdom stage, the Divided Kingdom stage. He goes over all the kings and prophets. It's super accessible, but um, it's a large green book, and his name is spelled W-I-L-L. M-I-N-G-T-U-N, Harold Wilmington. He went to be with the Lord about a year ago. He preached my ordination 30 years ago. But Wilmington's Guide to the Bible, I think, is going to open up the Scriptures to you in a way that just might be just completely revolutionary. And, and what you can do, you can get a reference Bible, a good reference Bible, and a lot of times they'll have a chart for you. Uh, I was looking at the open Bible. It has a partial chart. And I think the Disciples Study Bible, you know, Alex, you and I, I think there's a chart there yeah. that will oh, yeah. show you the kings and how they fit in. And and chronologically, again, Alex and I haven't done that. The reason it would take us this year and next year to go through <laughs> through all Probably of would. every king and what they did. So what you do when you're looking at them, you're looking at the northern kingdom, all those they are from Israel, they were evil. The kings in the southern kingdom, there were eight good kings, but they weren't perfect. And the gods, those that were like Rehoboam did evil. Those that were like David did good. And when you see that, it'll help you to understand it. Alex, it's been good, brother. Aren't we blessed? We are. Aren't we so blessed? Well, thank you for listening to Exploring the Word here on the American Family Radio Network. Listen, Tony Perkins is coming up next, and then Abraham Hamilton III. So you don't want to miss that. But listen more to Exploring the Word and tell someone about the program. But more importantly, tell them about Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio. Faith. 